Welcome to the King's Church Amersham podcast. For more information and resources, go to www.kca.church. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Paul. Well, it's a pleasure, and I really mean that. It's an absolute delight to be with you here today. Thank you so much to the worship team for leading us. It was just great. It was just fantastic. You know, there were moments I thought I could just stay in this moment of time forever. The veil was pulled back a little bit. And as we sang about Jesus and how great he is and his glory and his supremacy and the wonderful things he's done, I just had a profound sense that the Holy Spirit was was powerfully active in our midst to illuminate the glory of our beloved Savior to us again and again and again as he does Oh, wow. And it's all grace. Praise the Lord. Today, I'm going to be speaking about the resourcing church. And I'm going to be basing it around the passage, Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 30. So bear that in mind, the resourcing church. So let's uh, turn to the word of God and read from verse 19 of Acts chapter 11 right through to verse 30. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Clodius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So let's first of all have a look at this place called Antioch and a map of Antioch, where Antioch is. It's situated about 300 miles north of Jerusalem, about 60 miles west of modern-day Aleppo. Aleppo is in Syria. Antioch today would be is part of um, modern-day Turkey. At the time of writing Acts, it was the third largest city in the Roman Empire, third to uh, Rome and Alexandria. It was made the eastern capital of the Roman Empire at the time. It was a major trade route. It was multicultural, multi-ethnic. Jews and Gentiles lived there. There were pagan shrines around the city where various immoral practices were going on. So in some respects, not unlike our country today. A few years ago, we did a survey at Kings and Wickham. We asked, what is your country of origin? 
we were going to do an international Sunday. So we just wanted to know how many people had been coming from different nations. And there were 53 different nations. And one of those occasions during which we call mingle time, we have a sort of mingle time where you know, you're encouraged to go and speak to someone you don't know. I went up to somebody, a young guy, and I said to him, uh, where are you from? And he said, Reunion Island. And I thought to myself, I've vaguely heard of Reunion Island, but I've no idea where it is. So I made it my business to find out later on, and I've discovered it's a group of islands over 400 miles east of the island of Madagascar, situated in the Indian Ocean. And I said to myself, how on earth do you get from Reunion Island to Wickham? (laughs) And there were other nations as well, Nigeria, Zimbabwe, Ghana, South Africa, West Indies. I mean, this is only in Wickham. Sri Lanka, Nepal, USA, Hong Kong, India, Argentina, Ecuador, Pakistan, Philippines, New Zealand, all over Europe, and even Scotland. (laughs) We live in a multicultural society. We've got uh, around 153,000 NHS staff. About one in eight are from outside the UK. And bless them for all the work that they're doing, keeping our NHS going. Over 900,000 Polish people living in the UK, 1.4 million people from India, over a million people from Pakistan, 130,000 people from the Philippines, 170,000 from Sri Lanka, 190,000 people born in Nigeria, and I could go on. We're in a multicultural society and enriched, I have to say, as a result. What opportunities there are. Preach the gospel to the nations without even leaving your own town. <laughs> and challenges too. I, I, so I'm talking about the resourcing church and as part of my preparation, I made it my business to listen to the previous sermon. So I listened to Julian's excellent talk on generosity, which he gave last Sunday, I think. It was very encouraging and challenging if you were there and if you heard it. And if you didn't hear it, then I'd recommend going onto the website to have a little listen. So I'm not going to particularly talk about money, but obviously the resourcing church, money is going to be a part of that. But I think Julian did such a good job that I won't major on that. But I am going to speak on three areas and they are as follows. A resourcing church looks outward. A resourcing church looks inward. A resourcing church grows. So those are the three areas that I'm going to be looking at this morning. First of all, a resourcing church looks outward. So in verses 19 and 20, it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among, only among Jews, notice. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, the non-Jews. So this was breakthrough, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Because originally it was kept relatively among the Jews, and the Lord had to do special things in the previous chapter, or earlier on in Acts, we read about the vision that Peter had, where the Lord told Peter, no, no, the gospel is not simply for the Jews, it's also for the Gentiles. So these happenings here, when these guys come and speak to the Greeks, is another breakthrough moment in the spreading of the gospel. Notice there, though, that no names are mentioned. It doesn't say who they were. These people who came from Cyprus and Cyrene and went to Antioch and started sharing with them, it doesn't say who they are. They're anonymous. They're ordinary believers, in other words. People like you and me. Our mission statement at Wickham is simply this. Ordinary people changed by Jesus to change the world. 
Because that's just how we see ourselves. You know, it's grace that involved us in the first place. It was through Jesus choosing. We're just ordinary people doing ordinary jobs, trying to raise families, going to school, going to college, you know, trying to earn a living, providing for our family, managing our finances, doing our shopping in the latest Aldi and Wickham, and, and on we go. You know, we're ordinary people. These anonymous believers from Cyprus and Cyrene, what did they do? Well, they got out of their comfort zone. They left where they were, and they went to Antioch to speak to the Greeks, the non-Jews. I wonder what it might mean for you and me to get out of our comfort zone for the sake of the gospel. Do you know, I'm going to be out of my comfort zone this evening. And I'm not that keen on getting out of my comfort zone, I have to confess. We're running a new initiative at King's in Wickham. It's called King's Table. It's been running now for, I'm not sure how many weeks, maybe six, I think. And we invite people who are addicts, people that you might see begging on the street, to come and have a meal every Sunday evening. We give them also the opportunity to have a shower and a change of clothes. And one of our members is a hairdresser. And she comes and she offers to cut their hair and trim their beards, and they really love it. The other week when I was there, one of our ladies had a birthday, and her mum had made our birthday cake. So she brought the birthday cake, and uh, we, everybody, including all the people who'd been invited, came and sang happy birthday to her. It was a brilliant evening. Well, tonight, I've got to share for five minutes my story. And although I'm used to speaking, you know, strange as it may seem, I'm going to be out of my comfort zone. I've been thinking, well, what am I going to say? Five minutes to these people. I'm not used to speaking to such a, an audience. Well, last week, we had, the first time we ran it, nobody came. I think the second week, three people came. Last week, there were about 21 people came. And so, I'm going to share that tonight. So, I'm going to be out of my comfort zone on many levels. But our aim is to see lives positively impacted by the gospel and turned around from brokenness and hopelessness to restoration and dignity. What might it mean for you to get out of your comfort zone? You see, it's Jesus' mission. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus' mission encourages us, yes, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone if you want to fulfill my mission. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, then Jesus calls your light to shine and not be hidden. I know that here at Amersham, you've got many community initiatives that I read about in your booklet here. The Furniture Project, CAP, Christians Against Poverty, the Food Bank, Transforming Lives for Good, going into schools, Baby Basics, New Home Starter Packs, Lifeline Visiting, Christmas Hampers. And I was looking through the booklet again this morning, and I just circled a few of the words that were being used here. Financial or domestic, difficult financial or domestic situations. Vulnerable older people. Vulnerable women. Financial and major debt problems. Fleeing situations of domestic violence and abuse. Crisis situations. Struggling and at risk of disconnecting. Wow. This is the gospel in operation, isn't it? This is to do with the mission of Jesus. 
that Jesus wants to heal the brokenhearted, bring release to the captives, set the prisoners free. And maybe we've got to get out of our comfort zone in order to do that. I read in your booklet as well that your aim is this. The central focus of our community care and social action is our determination to show unconditional love, compassion, and offer practical help to those in need. It's great. Praise the Lord. The Lord is at work, stirring us here in Amersham and us in Wickham as well to reach out to those who are in less favorable situations than we are. Let's put it that way. In addition, I know you also support the work of Every Life in Uganda. You had a choir here, I think, recently in the last week or so. And Tim and Anna Kalabala, they wrote also in the booklet, and I quote, We count you, dear people here, as our spiritual family and feel so loved by so many at King's. Even though we have been apart physically, we are invested in all God is doing through you in Amersham. It's great. Praise the Lord. The Lord is touching our hearts so that we help those not only in our local community, but also further afield. People that we may never, ever meet, but maybe in heaven one day we will. And we will be rejoicing there. It's about fulfilling Jesus' mission. Now, what does it say in verses 27 to 29? Let's have a look at what it says there. Because some of the prophets came. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. As I read that, those few verses, the one that struck me was this, as each one was able. It's a key line here. Whether it's money, time, listening ears, abilities, prayer, whatever it might be, as each one was able. Speaking personally, I have an income. Although I work part-time, I do get, some, I do get a little bit of salary. The Lord has enabled me financially in other ways too. So I'm able to give in that way as each one is able. I enjoy learning and finding things out. So I can use that not only in my preaching and teaching, but also I, you know, I'm interested in languages. I'm trying to learn Nepali because I go out there a lot. And uh, I try and communicate with the people in their own language, even though it might not be that brilliant. And the Lord has enabled me through my teaching career as well in the you know, as I've had many opportunities to develop communication skills, still developing them. And when the Lord asks me one day what I did with what he gave me, I don't want to say I kept it under lock and key. Do you? I want to be able to say I've used what you have given me and I've used it to the best of my ability. What are you doing with what the Lord has given you? As each one was able... Now, I was just entranced, I have to say this morning, by the band and uh, by their skill. And uh, it was really great, very encouraging. Uh, I can't play the guitar. I did try many moons ago, but it, it didn't work. Uh, it's not me. I'm not interested in the technical side, Jenny. They're doing marvelous, thank you, Jenny, doing marvelous projection for me. Absolutely on cue without me having to say anything. I'm not that technical. You know, as long as it works, that's all I really care about. But in terms of how it all works. So I'm not very practical. 
I probably would find it very difficult to mend a leaky tap. Now, in our kitchen the other day, four of the hinges on our cupboard doors, kitchen cupboard doors, weren't working properly. So I thought, okay, simple job. So after three hours and two visits to Screwfix, I just about got there. I'm not that practical. But what the Lord has enabled me to do, I do want to do it wholeheartedly with the gifts and the skills and the ability he has given me. The church here wasn't simply concerned about their own needs, but those of others too. And that's Jesus' model for all of us. He was unfailingly concerned about the needs of others, and he went to great trouble to meet them. He came from the glorious heights of heaven to give his life as a ransom for many. So a resourcing church looks outward. And you are doing that as a church. And it's so encouraging as I was looking through the booklet and seeing all the things that you are involved in. But a resourcing church also looks inward. Verse 22, 23, where it says, News of this, in other words, the guys talking to the Greeks, reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Now Barnabas, as we know, is described as a son of encouragement. Every church needs their Barnabases, male and female. Are you a Barnabas or an armchair critic? We don't need armchair critics in the church. We have already got an enemy who is hard at work. And he doesn't need any help from you. What we need is we need Barnabases. That's what we need. Now, I am very blessed in that my late father-in-law, some of you knew him, Frank Matthews, who used to lead the church in Wickham, the King's Church in Wickham. He was a great encourager. He was an encourager par excellence. And I've tried to emulate him as much as I can. But I have to say, I'm not in the Premier League yet. Probably not even the championship. Maybe League One. You know, and my wife, Joy, she is far better than I am at encouraging others. She's definitely in the, championship, in, the, in the Premier League. So I'm trying to catch up. Those who teach as well, because the church was taught, need to be diligent. So us teachers here, we need to be diligent. We need to study. We need to work harder. And I know you do. And be faithful to the word. The word in the church is so important to build us up. Our gathering together on a Sunday when the, when the word is preached from the Bible is so important. In the book of Jeremiah, the Lord says to Jeremiah, Is not my word like a hammer and a fire? I wonder why he uses those two analogies. A hammer and a fire. Well, a hammer is going to break things. And a fire is going to enthuse things. going to set things on fire. And we talk about the fire of the Spirit. So let's be people who continually come under the word and the teaching of God. Because it will break the hardness. Sometimes we get hardness in our hearts that needs to be broken. I do. And I just get hard with the world, being out in the world. And the values of the world. And they creep in. And the word comes and breaks that. And then the fire comes. The fire of the spirit. I want to ask you, who are you encouraging? Are you a Barnabas? I've noticed that those who encourage you are good to be with. Their presence is uplifting. They put a smile on your face. Is that true of me? I wonder, is that true of you? Are you a Barnabas or an armchair critic? Which would you rather be? 
who would you rather be with? And it's so easy now, isn't it, in our culture, in our society today, to be an archer critic. I, I, I have to say I'm pr- probably guilty of that as well. And I'll mention one word which will give you a big clue as to why. Brexit. <laughs> oh, my word. Say no more. But that, all I'm saying is it's so easy then, isn't it, to get into a sense of negativity. Looking at politicians, well, they can't do this, they don't do that, DDD, moan, 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 moan. Just need to be careful, don't we? That as the people of God, yes, we're part of the United Kingdom, yes, we're concerned about our nation, yes, we're praying for our leaders, yes, we want righteousness to rain down upon our nation, but actually, our primary citizenship is not from, of the UK, is it? If you're, a member, if you're a citizen of the UK, that's not your primary citizenship. Or if you're a citizen of another nation, that's not your primary citizenship. Your primary citizenship is a citizen of the kingdom of, of God. That's your primary citizenship. Because I am a citizen of the United Kingdom. But one day that citizenship will end. But my citizenship of the kingdom of God will never end. So let's make sure that we're living by the, and imbibing the, the standards and the values of the kingdom of God. And let's not be over-influenced by what's going on in our nation, sad as it is. And let's not simply be an armchair critic to our nation, but let's pray for our leaders. Pray for Boris. Pray for Jeremy. Pray for Parliament. Pray that the, the Lord will have his way in what's going on in our nation. That's what I'm praying. Barnabas comes, and it says this in verse 23. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad. It's wonderful to look back and see what the grace of God has done in the church and in the lives of individuals. As I come here to King's Church, Amersham, I see the grace of God. It's wonderful. It's fantastic. I see the grace of God in this building. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done in this church over the decades and many of you here used to go down to the chapel down at the bottom of the hill, as I have been did in the past, many decades ago. And now here, a city set on a hill, hallelujah, cannot be hid. And your community initiatives that are going on, the one in the summer was fantastic. It's really great. Bollywood evening, wow. Yes, women, come on, get in there. Bring your friends, bring your neighbors. It'll be a good occasion, I'm sure. I'm just glad it's for women only. But (laughs) story. (laughs) Now, this building—it's a testimony as to what the grace of God has done. I'll tell you what else it tells me about too. It tells me about a committed core of believers who put their money where their mouth is. Tells me that too. Every church needs a hot core. And I know for a fact, as I've been coming here for many years, there is a hot core at King's Church Amersham. What do I mean by that? I mean this, there's a hot core of committed people who are committed to the values and vision of what this church is doing and have been committed to the values and vision of this church for many, many moons. Hot core. Every, oh, I went to, uh, I go to Nepal a lot, well, every year generally, And one of the things I spoke to King's Church Kathmandu about was a hot core. Build your hot core. Who is in your hot core? And I got the leaders to sit down and identify. It's a much smaller church. Identify who is your hot core. 
And how are you going to make that hot core bigger? Every church needs a hot core who are committed to seeing the kingdom of God in this area and beyond. I also know some personal stories here of difficult family situations. You're probably springing to your mind even as I'm mentioning it. And, I've, and I'm seeing and I have seen the grace of God at work in their lives. When Barnabas came to the church in Antioch, he saw the grace of God and he was glad. When I come to King's Church, Amisham, and I'm no Barnabas, I see the grace of God and I am glad. I'm glad. It's wonderful. Like the hymn writer, we can say, through many dangers, toils and snares, we have already come. And maybe you're going through some right now in your life. Our family is going through one right now. I don't want to be going through it. But we're going through it. Through many dangers, toils and snares, we have already come. Tis grace that brought us safe thus far. And grace will lead us on. And as you look back on your life, I'm sure you could say the same too. That it's grace that has brought you safe thus far. And grace will lead you on. It was grace in the very beginning when Jesus came and opened our blind eyes to see the truth of who he is. And it's grace as we move every step of the way alongside him. Thank you, Jesus, you never give up on me. Amen? Amen. Jesus never gives up on you. How many times have you fouled up? I bet you can count them. You need more than 10 fingers and toes to count all the ways that you've messed up and I've messed up. But Jesus is faithful. It is grace. But having said that, verse 24 of Barnabas, it says, He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. I wouldn't mind being described like that. How would you? How about you? If we're going to impact our community and the world beyond, we need to be people of integrity. Where our lives match up with our words, who are continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we, of ourselves, we're not up to the task. We need the Holy Spirit, each one of us. And as a church community, we need the Holy Spirit in order for the gospel to spread. I wonder... Are we making the most of every opportunity to be filled with the Spirit? Like I said earlier, our times of worship, when we gather together on a Sunday morning, they're crucial. They're not optional extras. They're not the icing on the cake. No, no, they're the very flower of the cake, if you like. As we meet together and we encourage one another and we experience the presence of God together, there's something so powerful about when we meet together as the people of God. Let's not see it ever as an optional extra. One out of every four I come. No, no, no. Try and be there every time you can. Every time you possibly can. I noticed as well in your booklet, and I had a good read of it, you're doing worship nights. And if you didn't get to the first two, the good news is this. There's one more to come that you can come along to. It's on the 10th of November. Now we're doing something coincidentally or what, I don't know. But we're doing something similar at Wickham. We're not calling it a worship night. We're calling it an encounter evening. But it's the same thing I expect. Where we have a great time of worship and prayer. It's a fantastic opportunity to get re-energized and filled with the Holy Spirit. It really is. Again, to be with God's people together. Being led in worship. When we meet for prayer, one of the things I pray regularly is this. I pray, Holy Spirit, please can you just pull the veil back a little bit more. So that we can see something more of the splendor and the glory of Jesus. Do you know what? 
we will never come to the end of the splendor and the glory of who Jesus is. Never. I think we sang it earlier, didn't we? Over the mountains and the hills. I would sing of your love forever, didn't we? I would sing of your love forever. And I was thinking, I will sing of your love forever. I will sing of your love forever because there'll be no end to seeing Jesus as the Holy Spirit illuminates him. And so if you've missed the first two worship nights, can I humbly encourage you? Yeah. Make an aim to get to the one on the 10th of November. Great opportunities to add fuel to the fire of your faith. Barnabas, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. The Lord not only wants us to reach out to others with his gospel, but to be built up strong and confident in him, both individually and as a local church. See, what you say matters. What you do matters. You might feel sometimes that you're not significant, but you are significant. Why are you significant? Because Jesus has made you significant. Regardless of your age, regardless of your abilities, regardless of whether you ever stand on this platform or not. That's irrelevant. You're still significant and important. Your presence matters. You bring something unique. Now, I've been very blessed doing the study on Galatians with a small group upstairs on a Monday evening. And uh, I notice when people are not there. Not because I think, oh, why aren't they there? No, no, I notice because I miss them. I miss their presence. I miss the uniqueness of their contribution. I miss the experience that they bring. Your presence matters. The Lord not only wants us to reach out to others, but to be built up ourselves. So a resourcing church looks outward. A resourcing church looks inward. A resourcing church grows. Let's have a look at verse 25 and 26. Where it says, Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So Barnabas sought out the apostle Paul. The people were being taught. Made me think of apostolic input. What do we mean by that? What do I understand by apostolic input? Because Paul was an apostle. He called himself the least of the apostles, but nevertheless, he was an apostle. And an apostle brings something unique to the church that no other ministry can. They've got an authority given by the Lord. They've got a wisdom given by the Lord. They've got an ability to see things that perhaps we are not able to see. They're perhaps further down the road than we are. Now, I appreciate as well that today, apostles are not in the same league as the ones in the Bible. But nevertheless, people who've got a a ministry beyond... Perhaps what we've got. And again, that's a decision obviously for our leadership team. But we've decided at King's, we decided we would, we would appreciate some input from someone who was a bit further down the road than we are. I'll tell you what, it's a dangerous thing to do. It's a dangerous thing to do. So we decided we would uh, investigate New Frontiers. This is a few years ago. And one of the guys that we connected with, and it's all relationally done, one of the guys we connected with is the leader of King's Church London. His name's Steve Tibbet, And he came along. And I remember a few years ago, he, um, and their church, he's got a you know, bigger church than us, a bit further down the road than we are, a bit more experience than we've got. So he comes along 
and connects really well with Neil, who was leading the church at that time. And uh, they're standing down at the front, him and Steve. And Steve's looking around at the congregation. And he said to Neil, you're full. You're full. Now, full does not mean every single church is occupied. But, because I think in England, sometimes we like to have more than one chair anyway, don't we? I can see looking around, somebody there's got three chairs, well, looks at You've got two, you've got three among two, you've got three, you've got three, and there's only two of you. But you know what I'm saying? So he looked around, he said to Neil, you're full. And he said, uh, this is where it's dangerous, you see. <laughs> he said, you might have to go to two meetings. So we thought, mm, okay. And then he went and left us with that. I'll just lob the grenade in and see what happens. No, no. And so... We thought, we prayed, we said, yeah, he's right. He's right. We need to make more room. King Center is no longer big enough. So what we're going to do is we're going to have two meetings. The problem was this. It takes you out of your comfort zone. So, for example, here are some of the consequences. Your band, if they're going to be, they have to then do two meetings, which, again, has family issues if you've got kids. And there's all that stuff to be worked out. Your children's work. You know, we were very stretched, da-da-da, and so on and so forth. Also, you might find your best buddy does not go to the same meeting as you go to. They go to a different meeting, so you don't see them so much. There's somebody else sitting in in a different place. In fact, there might be somebody sitting in your chair. And so that was what happened, part of the consequences of our having what we would consider apostolic input. And then, um, so now we're now in two locations with three meetings. You know, I blame Steve Tippett for all that. I mean, why did we ever get involved with him? I don't know. But actually, it has stretched us. It's been good for us. And now we're actually thinking about a third site. And we're, we've got a fund going now where we're trying to get some money together in order for us when the time is right. Because what we want to do is we want to go to where the people are. And so it's challenging, our resort, but our resourcing church grows, but there's a cost to it. So we've grown numerically, and you have too, praise the Lord. Last week, baptisms here. Last week at Wickham, baptisms as well. The Lord is adding to the church, and that's what we want, isn't it? We want the church to grow strong in, in the Lord, but we want the church also to grow numerically. People were being added to the church in Antioch, and they were beginning to be noticed. They were beginning to have an influence. It's the place where they were first called Christians. People began to notice. And there's something about when the church is on the move, and as you are on the move, and you're getting into the community, you will begin to be noticed if you haven't already been. Praise the Lord. So the resourcing church looks outward. The resourcing church looks inward. The resourcing church grows And there's no shame in getting help from those in the faith who have got special gifting and experience in order to help us grow as a church. But it is dangerous and it can be costly. Just a warning there. Okay. A resourcing church looks inward. We need to make the most of every opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. If you can, go to the worship evening on the 10th of November. And encourage others, because encouraging people are good to have around. And there are many broken people out there who need the stability that you and I may be able to give them through what the Lord has done in us. And a resourcing church looks outward. 
Jesus looked beyond himself, stepped down from his comfort zone to give his life for us. Are we also willing to come out of our comfort zone to reach others? What might that mean for you? What might it mean for you as an individual? As a family? What might it mean in the future for you as a church? And it may be that in the future, the Lord will say to you as a church, I want you to do this. And you're going to find that you're going to have to move out of your comfort zone. And it might happen in a way that you did not expect. Certainly at Wickham, that's been our experience. It's been my experience. I've been kind of prodded out of my comfort zone on more than one occasion. But if we want to see the kingdom of God coming, then we follow Jesus. Perfect example. He came from his perfect comfort zone in heaven in order to walk on planet earth and to give his life for you and me and for all the broken people out there who don't yet know him. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Let's pray. Father, we know that in and of ourselves, your mission is just too big for us. It really is. It's a dying world out there. It's a broken world out there. It's a disturbed world out there. It's a fragmented world out there. And we live in a very, very broken and fragmented nation. What a mess we're in, Lord. Who is sufficient to sort that out? Certainly not we. We're not. (laughs) Certainly not on our own. But empowered by your spirit, led by your spirit, encouraged by your spirit, working together in the grace of God, then boy, we may well be able to make a difference. So we ask at this time, Lord, that you would help us. Pray for the leadership team here, for Paul and the leaders, Lord. Pray for the wisdom of God to be upon them as you direct this church. Come Holy Spirit, thank you for all that's happened in this church down through the decades. Thank you that you have been with this church. You have blessed this church. (coughs) And thank you, Lord, that you will continue to do so. Amen. Thank you for listening. For further podcasts or information, go to www.kca.church.com.